Tonight's gospel reading is from Acts 7, 54 through 8, 1a, the stoning of Stephen. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and, yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of the young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing him. Well, how's everybody doing? I think we're getting the lights on, Pastor Matthew. Is that what we're doing? All right. Man, look at Pastor Matthew. Is he not amazing? He could do everything here. He can even turn lights on. All right. All right. I hope you have your Bibles open. And um, I want to remind you again, so if you're online or if you're here right now, that there is that number that you're going to see up on that screen, just like Susan just told you. So what we want to do is just, like she said, we want to encourage one another. And so this is your way of really edifying the body, meaning to build up the body. That's what that word means. So you could text what the Lord has been impacting you with. What are the impact points for this service? It might be in the songs. It might be in the prayer requests for the Schoenenbergers. Um, that you're really burdened to pray for them. It could be something in the sermon. So whatever that impact point is, um, we want you to text that. Now, if you are here in person, or if you are watching online, and you're checking sports scores, under the guise of edifying one another, I'm going to pray that your phone erupts in smoke. Is that okay to do? Is that fair? I don't want anybody to get hurt. I actually, can't, I don't think I can actually pray and preach at the same time. I'm not that coordinated. So let's get our Bibles open and let's see what the Lord's going to teach us. And I'm going to actually begin with some very, very sober and very serious questions. And I'm going to invite you to actually think through what your honest answers are. What are your honest answers to these questions? Are you... Am I prepared to suffer for our Lord if that is his will? What's your answer to that? Let me ask a second question, and it's going to build on that. Are you, am I, prepared to die for our Lord if that were to come? Now, before I go to the third one, I know what you're, at least I think I know what you're thinking, or at least some of you are thinking. It's likely what I might be thinking or feeling if I was sitting where you are or at home listening to this. Death, death for the Lord seems so kind of far away, far off from our experiences. 
But if it were to come to that, if the Lord were to ask you to die for him, would you? Are you prepared? Here's my final question in this opening series. Do you, do I, love Jesus more than we love life? I actually just saw someone shake their head no. Man, I appreciate that honesty. I appreciate that. Do you love Jesus more than you love life? Friends, would you be willing to pray with me that the Spirit of God would provoke in us such an overwhelming love for Jesus and his gospel that if he should call you to suffer for his name, you will gladly do it? Would you pray that? You know, a second century church leader, his name was Tertullian. It's an odd name, but that was his name. He was a giant in the theological faith. He wrote something that you can never forget. I don't think you can unlearn this. And he, it's very short. He, write, he wrote this. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And there have been a lot of seeds planted by the martyred blood of God's saints. Let me tell you about one. It was 1555, and Queen Mary sat on the throne of England. She was a staunch defender of the Catholic Church and a violent enemy of the Protestant faith. And it earned her nickname that I'm sure you've heard, Bloody Mary. Educated at Cambridge, however was a man named John Rogers. He served as a Catholic priest, but his life was changed when he met the famous reformer William Tyndale, who explained to him the Bible, the gospel, faith in Christ alone. And he gave to Rogers a Bible in English. And Rogers devoured it and came to know Jesus Christ. He put his faith in the Lord Jesus, and a fire was lit in his heart, and he was preaching at his church in London in August of 1553, married to his wife Ariana with 10 children at that time, and she was pregnant, or about to be pregnant with her 11th. And Queen Mary visited his church. And despite the queen being in attendance, Roger, he, Rogers almost didn't even care. He boldly proclaimed the gospel of salvation, listen, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. Something that was anathema to the Catholic Church. He warned everybody in the congregation of the false teaching of the Catholic Church that was propagating works that you could earn God's favor. And Mary was enraged. A week later, Rogers was placed under house arrest while his wife then expected their 11th child. And he was condemned 
for standing against the Roman Catholic Church and teaching that the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper is not really the body and the blood of Jesus. This is really ultimately why he was about to be killed. He taught that the body and the blood of Jesus did not go into the bread and the wine of communion. And unwilling to recant, he was soon in prison, and he was in prison for a year until February 1555. He had not been allowed to communicate with his family. He never even met his youngest child. He pleaded for a chance to say goodbye to his wife and his family before he died. But he was denied. Early Monday morning, February 4th, 1555, he was awoken from prison and taken from his cell and soon led into the streets where thousands of spectators in London lined the way. And in the sea of faces, his eyes lit upon his wife, holding up their baby and surrounded by their ten children, all looking at their father. The French ambassador was there in that crowd on that day, and he later wrote home, and he said of John Rogers, even, I'm quoting, his children assisted him, comforting him in such a manner that it seemed as if Rogers was being led to a wedding. He was led to the stake, Speaking the whole way over and over this 51st Psalm. And he, tie, he was tied to that pitch-soaked stake with wood piled all around him. And then he was given one final chance to recant of his faith in Christ alone. And his faith in the symbolic presence of the Lord through the Lord's Supper. Those who heard him say... These words will never have forgotten them. He said, Rogers did, that which I have preached, I will seal with my blood. And within moments, the wood was set on fire and his body slowly began to burn while witnesses said he washed his hands in the flames as if they were cool water. So Christian, I want to ask you again, and I'm asking myself this, I have been all week, are you and am I prepared to suffer for our Lord if that is his will? Are you and am I prepared to die for our Lord if that were to be required of us? And do you and do I love Jesus more than we love our own lives. John Rogers was the first of 288 Christian martyrs in England during Bloody Mary's reign, each of whom followed in the footsteps of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. I want you to remember from way back in the beginning of this series that the word for witness that we've been talking about for since day one of the series is actually the Greek word martis. The English word witness comes from the Greek word martis, from which we get our word martyr. And we have the faithful disciple of Jesus, Stephen, 
who first witnessed of Jesus in his life, Pastor Kyle taught us, and then he witnessed in his words that we saw last week, and then today we're going to see that he was asked to witness of Christ in his death. In his martyrdom, we're going to learn several truths that can prepare us if we're called to do the same. I hope you listen to this message as if your death depends upon it. First, we see the Holy Spirit will give you grace to endure a martyr's death. Look with me in verse 54. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. You know the drill by now. You need to have your Bibles open. You need to see the really the words of the Word of God in front of you. Acts chapter 7, verse 54 and 55. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, the Sanhedrin. And they ground their teeth at him. You ever been so angry that you grind your teeth? That you clench your jaw so fiercely that your teeth grind? This is how angry they were. But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He's about to die. He's about to be a martyr, which means he's about to be a witness. And what a contrast Luke gives us who wrote the book of Acts. We've got the Sanhedrin, 71 men, and the multitude gathered around Stephen. They're in the temple in a room on the northern side of the temple called the Hall of Hewn Stones. And they were so angry that they are literally grinding their teeth in rage. In just a moment, verse 57, we're going to read this. They cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at them. Sanity has left these men. They hold their hands over their ears. They put their fingers in their ears. They cannot take another word that he is going to say. Now here's what I want you to know. These were not uncivilized barbarians, these Sanhedrin men. They're not some cannibalistic tribe in the Amazonian jungle. These are scholars. These are educated men. These are the elite. These are powerful men. And they lose their minds in the hardness of their hearts. Do you not think that people in America are able to martyr a Christian? Then you do not know the word of God. Friends, it not only can come to that, I am convinced it will come to that. And they rushed at him. The same word, by the way, rushed. For the demon-possessed pigs of Mark chapter 5, when they rushed into the Sea of Galilee and were drowned. Luke has a play on words here for a reason. You want to know why they lost their minds? You want to know why they gnashed their teeth? This is the influence of Satan in men who have hardened their hearts against the gospel. This is the same word that Jesus said, weeping and gnashing of teeth that people will do forever in hell. 
Yet Stephen would not cry out in terror. He would not go down fighting like a warrior. He simply stood there gazing into the heavens full of the Holy Spirit. And friends, I want to tell you, if you are to suffer for your Savior, then look up and find grace more than you will ever need. You want to watch Stephen die in a way that will prepare you for your own death? Then know first that the Holy Spirit will give you grace to endure a martyr's death. But I'm going to tell you the second one. The Son of Man will give you honor for enduring a martyr's death. Not only will the Spirit of God give you grace, the Son of Man will give you honor. Days after John Rogers was burned at the state, the authorities brought in his 19-year-old apprentice, John Leaf. You think you're too young to hold strong with Christ? Friends, the power of God in you can work powerfully. And they asked Leaf if he believed what Rogers taught. And Leaf, John Leaf, answered that not only did he believe it, but he was ready to meet the same death. 19 years old, burned at the stake, tied alive to it, and people witnessed it, were left amazed. How could somebody so young die like John Leaf with a cheerfulness and an unshakable resolve? In verse 58 of Acts 7, the Sanhedrin cast him out of the city and stoned him. There was a law that you must die outside the camp. They did the same with Jesus. The Jewish people believed you must not spill a drop of blood in the temple. So they rushed him, they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen... He called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You see, the Jewish people had four methods of capital punishment. Four of them. They had burning, because there's children here, I won't go into details. They had beheading, they had strangulation, and they had stoning. And if the person was to be stoned, it was always performed outside of the city, outside of the camp, and the condemned was pushed off either a scaffolding or a cliff that was at least twice his height. And sometimes the fall would end his life. But more often than not, it didn't. And so rocks began to be lifted up high over the head and thrown at the victim sprawled at the bottom of the cliff. And the people that had to be the first to throw the rocks were the witnesses. If you're going to witness and testify that a person deserves to die, you're going to be the one that participates in his death. And if that didn't end the life, then those gathered to watch began throwing rocks until he died. 
Before the first stone was thrown, verse 56, the Spirit of God opens Stephen's eyes to the throne room in heaven. And he cried out to all around him. You've got to get what Stephen's doing. He's still witnessing. He's actually speaking to the crowd that's killing him. He says, behold, you've got to look, look, everybody. Do you see what I'm seeing? I see the heavens open, Stephen said, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. How amazing is the grace of God that in the final moments of Stephen's life, he is given such a vision. One of Jesus, the Son of Man, standing at the right hand of God. The Sanhedrin had asked Jesus before he was crucified, if he was a Christ, the Son of God. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 26? He said, you have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. You see, what you need to understand is that Jesus is saying, I am the high priest of high priests. And no priest could ever sit while they were on duty in the temple. That was illegal. You must not sit while you're serving God. You could sit when you were done. But Jesus is saying that his redemptive work will be finished upon his resurrection. And now you've got three to four years later, that's the best guess for the time that's elapsed now between the resurrection of Jesus and this moment when Stephen is put to death, three to four years, and Stephen says to these men, look at what he says, the Son of Man was standing at the right hand of God, having finished his great work of redemption, why is he standing? He ought to be sitting Repeatedly in scripture, Jesus was seated. Hebrew says it. It's over and over. So why was he standing now? And I would petition you to think with this mind. Might it be that Jesus had stood to honor his faithful witness and receive him home to say to him personally, well, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, after all, friends, don't we stand to honor one another? Don't we stand when we applaud? Do, do we not stand when a guest comes to our home? Do we not stand to greet? Do we not stand to love with a hug? Jesus is standing, and he is about to greet his brother in the Lord. Christian, how great it will be to enter The eternal kingdom that has so richly been provided for us. Listen to Peter. He says, for in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you not want a rich entrance into heaven? Not only will the Spirit of God give us grace and the Son of Man give us honor if we were to endure a martyr's death, but finally, number three, the Father will give you peace if you are called to endure a martyr's death. Peace that surpasses all understanding, that doesn't make sense, that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's the power of the peace that God alone can give. 
Stephen, in the fullness of the Spirit, sees God on his throne and Jesus standing next to it on the right side. But he sees the Father on the throne and the throne of God, friends, was the greatest picture that the Bible can give you of the sovereignty of God. God knows what is happening to his servant. He is overseeing it. He is presiding over it. He is allowing it. He will use it for his purposes. There is someone there at Stephen's death who is silencing, silently witnessing all of it. He's giving authority to it. And Luke gives us his identity twice. Look at verse 58. The witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of of his execution. This is Saul who will be the apostle Paul, who will be the greatest missionary that the world has ever known. God knows what's going to happen. So the blood of the martyrs is the seeds of the church. Stephen now being stoned, being bludgeoned by rocks, his death approaching. Look at verse 60, he falls to his knees. And he cries out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this, this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. The Holy Spirit, the Son of God, the Heavenly Father, all three there in that moment, the triune God, helping Stephen endure this death. And Stephen is bearing witness with his death. I don't think I will ever forget the death of one of our sisters in this church several years ago. Some of us elders went to her home on what we did not know then would be the eve of her death. Cancer had ravaged her so mercilessly that she could only lie down on the couch while we anointed her with oil and prayed for her. Pastor Tim Van Sommer was there with us that night. He led us in her favorite hymns. And while she was too weak to sing, she raised her arm to the heavens with eyes that seemed to be able to see into the throne of God. Her name was Sue Jaquila. She was utterly convinced that God was on his throne. God is good, and God had put peace in her soul. And like Stephen, just hours after we left, she fell asleep. And the peace of the truth that God is on his throne. It's the year 1543 now. It's in Perth, Scotland. When six Christians were put to death because of their faith. The last of which was a woman named Helen Stark. I've told you now of John Rogers, the first of 288 martyrs under Queen Mary's reign. I told you the second one, Ryan Leaf, his 19-year-old apprentice. I've told you of Sue Jaquila from our church. Now I'm going to tell you about Helen Stark. Her husband was, husband was also martyred on the same day, and she was allowed to walk with him to the execution. And when they got to the gallows, he was hung, 
when they got to the gallows, Helen, holding their newborn baby, gave her husband one more kiss and said these words you will read on that screen. Husband, rejoice. For we have lived together many joyful days, but this this day in which we must die ought to be the most joyful unto us both, because we must have joy forever. Therefore, I will not bid you good night, for that shall suddenly meet, for we shall suddenly meet with joy in the kingdom of God. Before her eyes, her husband was hung. As she was taken to the place where she was to be drowned. She took her baby and the other children that they had and she handed them to a neighbor and then she was put into a sack with rocks in the bottom, tied tight at her neck and thrown into the depths of the river Tay in Scotland. Why? Because she professed That salvation was in Jesus Christ alone. And she would not recant. Did you know that the name Stephen means crown? Brings to mind the words of Jesus to the church at Smyrna. Do not fear, Jesus said to the Christians at Smyrna, what you are about to suffer. Behold, the, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation, but be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Stephen received that crown. John Rogers received that crown. Ryan, John Leaf, rather, received that crown. Sue Jaquila received that crown. Helen Stark received that crown. Will you and will I receive that crown? Friends, Are you, am I prepared to suffer for our Lord if that is his will? And are you and am I prepared to die for our Lord if that were what he asked? Do you and do I love Jesus more than we love our own lives? What's your answers to those questions? The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The church has never been more powerful than when her people are willing to die for their Savior. Amen. Father, I thank you. The Hebrew says that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Lord, that is so true. Father, there are thousands, perhaps even millions of Christians that have gone before us, that have given their lives to seed the church. 
And Father, I pray that we would really be able to honestly ask, are we willing to suffer for your name? Are we willing, if it were asked of us, to die for our Savior? Perhaps the most telling of all and the one that informs the other two, do we love you, Jesus, more than we love our own lives? Lord, I don't know my answer. I certainly want to say yes. But I know I will need the grace of the Holy Spirit. I will need the honor of my Savior. And I'm going to need the peace of my Father. Lord, get us ready. And help us be a faithful witness. Even if it is in our death. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.